weekly travel program, Jet Sitting with Janet, is proudly sponsored by MLT Car Hire and Tours. Are you looking for a highly professional, established vehicle rental service? Look no further. MLT Car Hire and Tours delivers on service excellence and competitive prices. Log on to mltcarhireandtours.co.za for their full range of benefits or MLT Car Hire and Tours on Facebook. Are you looking for a highly professional established vehicle rental service and shuttle service where client satisfaction is a priority? Look no further. MLT Car Hire is committed to delivering quality low mileage vehicles to suit your budget. MLT Car Hire also specializes in mini and long leases for individuals and corporates as well as staff transport and airport transfers with offices at the airport and in the Helderberg area. We are proud members of SATSA, Fedhaza and Cape Town Tourism. MLT Car Hire delivers on service excellence and competitive prices. Log on to MLT Car Hire and Tours for our full range of benefits or MLT Car Hire and Tours on Facebook. Okay, so Montague Ashton is referred to as a multi-sensory experience. I think there is, there are very few places where one can go and do all things arts, culture, food, wine, and sumptuous accommodation. And not just sumptuous, but a huge spectrum of accommodation offerings. Montague and Ashton is really the perfect getaway. It's in the Lungerberg area near the Robertson Wine Valley and not far from the Breda River Valley. And it takes some time to explore the beautiful town of Ashton because it's famous for more than just its hot springs. We know in holiday time, it's a popular thing for all of us to do, to head over to the hot springs and somehow, somewhere, whilst we don't have the scientific facts about the value of those 43 degrees Celsius hot springs, we just feel great when we come out of there. We feel hot, but we feel great at the same time. So Montague really is the perfect retreat, and we've spoken in an earlier show about wellness and retreats, but it is the perfect retreat for eco, wellness, and adventure sports, and also a retreat to enjoy golf, wine, and food, and fabulous art. It really is quite magical because it's a sensory experience being in Montague. So whether it's biting into those luscious fruit or just lying in the hot springs or tasting some delicious food, it's all multi-sensory and definitely a must-do on your bucket list for 2023. We're chatting to several people from accommodation establishments and restaurants to flying feet. And I'm going to leave that for when we actually talk to the Flying Feet clan, because uh, I had a completely different idea what it was all about. So we're going to shortly be enlightened. So we're chatting this afternoon with Marileta Mundy. She is the tourism manager for Montague Ashton Tourism Association. And like our previous interviewee, comes with more than 27 years of advertising and marketing. Uh, experience through her agency called Loud Advertising. And uh, she's been involved with some very interesting projects amongst them, San, San B and the Africa Center for HIV AIDS. And of course, she is also quite involved with serious food processing and gets 
involved with the Montague Ashton tourism. In 2010, Maraletta made some important life choices, as one must do every single year. And uh, as she believes that you can make a living or design a life, I love that. I'm hearing so many words of wisdom this morning, that she decided to move to the Platteland and began to design her dream life. Maraletta, please tell us about this transition. Good morning, Janet. Yes, um, it's probably the best thing I did for myself. I might not have even seen 50 if I didn't do it. <laughs> I realize that now. And I think I was just so blessed that, that I moved to exactly the right town. I've moved to a beautiful Montague, which some people might not even know exists. I can't be happier where I am now. And I just so love the town, the people, everything that I've literally taken my whole life and thrown it in there. So yeah, this is where I am and they'll probably have to put my ashes on the mountain, but this is where I'll stay. Now, the other interesting fact that I have on your bio is that you married to a singing farmer. That must make for an interesting life. Please do tell. <laughs> yeah, um, it's obviously fruit farming world, the side. So my yeah. my husband um, manages two fruit farms and a, and a, a fruit drying factory and everything else. But he comes with also about 24, 25 years of, of singing, writing his own he loves to write uh, poetry, which is basically more poetry than music. And then he sings. Marileta, I think you have a very romantic life between <laughs> singing and poetry. I think that everyone must move to Montague Ashton. <laughs> yes, uh, there's just not enough houses. Hold on. <laughs> okay, okay. We'll wait for you to keep us updated. <laughs> yes. So, Marileta, this um, this area that you are responsible for, Please tell us, what are your plans for 2023? What is Montague Ashton looking like for the next year? And how was your season out of interest? Okay. Um, I am so happy that I can report this morning that we have had the best season in the last eight years. Um, wow. we've, had, <laughs> we've had a bumper visitor. We keep very good stats of people that stays over in our town and around our towns. And we had a stats figure of almost 43,000 people that stayed in our area for December. And I have to put it in context. There's only 15,500 people living here. So, yeah, wow. we had almost 43,000 pe 43, people staying. That is amazing. That is wonderful. Ew. So what is 2023's plans looking like? You know, this show is about where are we in the industry and what can we expect from your region for? Okay, I think COVID, COVID taught us a lot of lessons and we applied them very well, I would say. Um, one of the main things that we realized is connecting the dots. There were so there's so many organizations, people, businesses doing technically the same thing or working towards the same goal, but they're sort of doing it on their own. And we have have started capitalizing on all that energy and that positivity, and then we connect the dots with each other. So it has been very good for us if I look back, and it's definitely something we're going to do more of in 2023. And we're consistently making the circle bigger. You know, yeah, when it was COVID, we focused uh, very close to home. And then we realized next step is, is the towns around us. Next step is the province, the region, the country. So we're literally working our way out from the inside to the outside, making the circle bigger on a daily basis. 
Marileta, I love the sound of that. And uh, so um, as we say goodbye to you, we really look forward to the warm smell of muscadel, apricot, <laughs> peaches, apples, and beautiful farm food. Um, great hospitality and, and family time and wide open spaces. Thank you. Thanks. And thank you for you guys. It's a big pleasure, Maraleta. We will pick up this conversation again. Perfect. We can do that. Wonderful. Thank you okay. so much. Take thank care. you. Again thank soon. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Joined this afternoon by Gavin Hathaly. He is the general manager at the Avalon Springs Hotel in the Montague Ashton Tourism Valley. Gavin has been in senior management in the hospitality industry for about 30 years, and without giving away his age and his young vision, suffice it to say that he was wise enough to escape from the Johannesburg rat race many years ago, and having spent some years in KZN, then ended up in the Western Cape. He's been at Avalon Springs now for about six years and loves spending time in the bush, mainly in Limpopo and in the Northwest, he is also the chairperson of the Montague Ashton Tourism Association. So in chatting to him, we're going to have a nice overview of what is happening in Montague Ashton. And he is the perfect person to kick off our chat today about the Montague Ashton Tourism Chamber. Welcome, Gavin. It's great to have you on the show. It is lovely being on the show and lovely to meet you online. Absolutely, Gavin. So quite a migration for you from Johannesburg and all the various things that you've been involved in. Um, please tell us a little bit about that journey. Um, well, obviously, I was born at a very early age and I grew up in Johannesburg. And went I love to, the way you say that. I, I believe most people are, so it's not really unusual. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I went to school in Johannesburg and, and then... Uh, I went to university, I went to Wits for a while, and I got involved with the hospitality industry literally straight after that. And, and um, I was never a great fan of Johannesburg, even when I was growing up. And, you know, the first opportunity I got to escape, I did. And ironically, my, my first real position was down in the Western Cape in Gordon's Bay. And I, I think anybody who's ever been to the Western Cape just falls in love with it. And obviously the... The, the attraction to get back has always been pulling me back to the Western Cape. Um, but I, I'm not a city boy. Wonderful. So I've, I've tried to stay in, in smaller towns. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so, you know, Gordon's Bay. I've, I lived in PE for a couple of years and moved up to Port Edward on the Wild Coast Sun, uh, Wild Coast um, area. Uh, then spent about 10 years in Margate. And Gosh, that really is small town. I know Margate. Yeah. I mean, Durban girl, so Margate was where we all commuted to for the holidays. Yeah, everybody went to Margate. Yeah, and then I, and I went up to run too. Yeah. Then I, I went up to Bella Bella, a private game reserve just outside, used to be called Varambat. Uh, and then into Zimbabwe, into Botswana, into the Pilansburg, um, back into the bush, and then landed up in Montague. That is quite a journey, Gavin, quite a journey. So the first thing I want to ask you about is those magical powers of the hot springs. Is it something that you put in the water? Can you explain it? Because I think everybody comes out of there refreshed and revived. 
You know, Janet, it, it's one of those magical things. And no, we don't put anything in the water. Um, we, we can't stop the water from coming up from underground. So, you know, the water comes up to the surface still at about 43 degrees. I, I was actually down in the eye about on Monday last week, and it was 43.9 degrees. So it's like a sauna down there. So we don't heat up the water. Uh, and it's it's incredibly rich in, in various minerals. And, and they have done a lot of tests on the water. And they purportedly have healing powers. And people swear by it. And this, this goes back hundreds of years. So, you know, back in the, the 1800s, late 1800s and early 1900s, there used to be a train that would come through to Ashton um, because the railway line didn't come as far as Montague. And then they used to bust them through the cliff to Avalon to come and spend time at the pools. And people, you know, the, the miracle stories that you've heard about the pools, about, you know, little kids who had polio and were cured and guys whose wives couldn't walk anymore and miraculously cured. You know, and, it, and it's not just you plunge in the pool and one day and you're better again. So, and I, th I think it's the, the power of the springs definitely has got a role to play and it's also the power of the mind. It's an incredibly beautiful setting. So I think, you know, just sitting in that warm water, looking up into the cliff at the mountains and just relaxing, I think is good for the soul. Absolutely agree. I've um, heard so many positive stories about the springs and that was really the first thing I wanted to ask you. But your establishment is, uh, whilst it centers around the hot springs, has a lot more to offer, Gavin. And I'm interested to hear what that is. Please, the floor is yours. Tell us all about Avalon Springs. Okay, where do I start? Um, first of all, just, just let me explain. We've, we've just been through and are still busy with a, it's about a 28 million rand refurbishment of the pools. Um, so it's still squeaky clean and, and very immature. Um, it needs to mature still. So, you know, the plants are still babies. The, the trees are still very young. The dussies have had an absolute field day. So all our dussies are, are wandering around here with big fat tummies. Um, the, the gardening landscape is not, not too happy with the dussies, but they, they're part of the natural environment here. So we've changed the, the Avalon with the palm trees and the blue pools. It is now very much more natural. And it, it's a bit of a shock to the system, especially if you've been here for many, many years. So instead of the, the old one 50-meter-long Wormslung super tube, we've now got two. Uh, we've increased the number of pools from, from eight till about 12. And we, we're adding in sprayers and misters and little rivers and, and more things, jungle gyms for the kids. So... From the accommodation side, you know, obviously everybody talks about our, our mountain chalets. So we've got 28 two-bedroom mountain chalets, which are self-catering, and they graded for four staff from the SA um, Grading Council. And then we've got 30 self-catering apartments, which are three-star, and the 24 hotel rooms, which are also three-star. So then apart from that, we've, we've got the on-site health spa, which has got two treatment rooms. We, we've just upgraded it a little bit because we really want to move it down into the hub of things. Uh, we've got the 60-seater Kaufman's restaurant. Um, and then there's the JM lounge and bar, which is sort of opposite the restaurant. Then we've got the new, what used to be Cabana bar, is now the Aqua bar. And then the cafe, which serves light meals, pizzas, burgers, Gatsby's, ice cream, chocolates, and those sort of things. 
And the, the restaurant and the cafe are what we call halal friendly. So it's not strictly halal, but we, we get all our meat from halal um, registered suppliers. And we have a separate pork kitchen. So the main kitchen cooks only halal meat. And the pork kitchen cooks the bacon and the hams and, and gammons and those sort of things. So it, it's very good to know, uh, Gavin, because halal tourism is definitely on the up and up. And I did an exercise today trying to find a halal kitchen or a halal friendly establishment where I could take people for a afternoon sundowner. And we called 15 places. And of those 15 places, seven didn't. Um, even understand what I was looking for. That was quite wow. worrying. So I'm so happy to hear that you have a sensitivity to to the halal needs of the community. We do have a lot of Muslim clientele. It, it is by far not the majority, but there are a significant number of them. And, you know, as I said, it's not strictly halal. And, but we serve alcohol in the restaurant. We serve alcohol at the pools. But... A lot, because we're supplying halal meat from registered certified halal butcheries, um, the majority of our Muslim clientele are, are comfortable with that, that there is no alcohol served in our food. And where there, there is, so on our menu, it will tell you is it's either vegetarian or it's halal or, or it's nothing of the, the type and it's got alcohol in it. So, you know, it, and it, it's a people's choice. So, you know, the cafe, for example, there's no, no pork products served in the cafe at all. So everything That's wonderful to know. That really is very heartening to know, Gavin. So you've told us about the accommodation. You've told us about the restaurants. Now, you also wear another hat, which <laughs> is the general manager of the Montague Ashton Tourism, the chairperson of this whole collective. Please, will you tell us what the forward-thinking plans are for 2023 in terms of this region? Well, the, the region as a whole, and, and obviously we fall under the Cape Winelands district, and then we under that you've got the Langeberg district, and in the Langeberg you've got the five towns, which is you know, McGregor, Montague, Ashton, Bonnyvale, and the big one is Robertson. And we work incredibly well together, and, and once a month we, we actually have a breakfast with the, the municipal manager and the deputy mayor, and we discussed tourism. And probably about a year ago, the municipality didn't really understand tourism. It's very much an agricultural-based economy where we live. And tourism was kind of, yeah, it was there. People came to Montague or to Robertson to, to drink wine or eat grapes or drink Muscadel. And the, the attitude has changed so much. It is absolutely such a brilliant relationship that we now have with the, the Langeberg District Municipality that they are looking for additional funding for tourism to, to get guests into this area. So also we, we've created, and I'm, I'm not sure if you heard about it, but the 10 routes of the Langeberg. So as you come Please from... Please tell us more. <laughs> it, it's also a little bit in its infancy and it's had a few ups, ups and downs. Um, but really it's to create a destination by creating routes. And, and, and routes are, are not a, a new thing in tourism. Um, you know, you have like the, the Midlands meander and you, you have up in now in Northwest, you've got that meander that, that runs through the, connects 
the Pilansberg to Rustenburg to Medikwe. And basically what we're trying to do is get, instead of just the towns representing tourism, to get all the little farms along the way as well. And there's hundreds of them. And those guys have opened up their doors and their gates to their farms. They've created cycling routes through their farms. So there's a, there's a cycling map, there's hiking maps, and there's, there's off-road trail maps. There's hundreds of kilometers of maps where tourists can come and enjoy what used to be just private land that has now been opened up. And that, that's largely as, as a result of, of these 10 routes. So as I said, it's a work in progress, but tourism is always a work in progress. You know, if, if you say that you've achieved the, the pinnacle of tourism, I'm sorry, you're not going to succeed because you've got to keep thinking, you've got to keep... Um, you've got to keep creating new product and innovate. No, you've got to keep relevant. Mm. And this mm. is what's happened in so many of the little towns in the country, is tourism quite often was taken over by the municipality. And the municipality's key function is not tourism. It's to, to create and maintain an infrastructure with, within the environment. And tourism should have experts running tourism. So... Then what happened is a lot of private individuals said, okay, well, we will, we will take over tourism as a business. And then, then municipalities said, okay, cool, bye-bye, off you go. And mm -hmm. so many of those have failed. Absolutely. And, we've got many examples of those. Yeah, and the town dies. And it's horrible to see a town dying. It, it suffocates. Mm. So, you know, we, we need to keep active we need to keep up to date we need to keep up to date with technology and and modern trends what is the rest of the world doing so i don't just look at what's happening in this district or the the, the cape winelands or, or the western cape or even south africa you need to look at international trends what happened after COVID? how do people travel what do they want when they get to the establishment and i'm not talking just hotels i'm talking restaurants i'm talking wine farms i'm talking tractor rides and and even things like rock climbing the 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 way the consumer has changed since COVID is actually quite phenomenal and i think your thinking is spot on and your strategy is very much in line with what a lot of the big players are saying uh, gavin and you know, it's interesting that you talk about tractor rides and, and little bespoke offerings. It's about making the community as involved in, as possible so that the little product offerings can conglomerate to offer quite an immersive experience of a town. And I'm seeing that in a lot, you know, I spend a lot of time visiting the little towns and, yeah. and I see... <clears throat> I got to taste uh, Speckboom Pesto and it blew my mind. And I thought, oh my goodness. <laughs> now, every time I pass the Speckboom tree in my garden, I, I eat a little bit about uh, it and have a wonderful memory of what that was all about. So, that is so awesome to hear. It's I, I love innovate. It's about innovating, it's about going back and recreating. So, it's wonderful. It's been great chatting to you, Gavin. I, I love the way your, your town is mobilizing and embracing things and, and looking at new strategies. It's really quite phenomenal. I don't know whether you're there this weekend when I'm visiting. But um, I will be here tomorrow morning. Uh, oh, oh, sorry, Saturday morning. I, I will definitely be here and uh, um, hopefully I'll get to meet you then. 
Fantastic. I look forward to chatting more. And before we say goodbye to you, I just want to hear what are your personal goals for 2023? Is that you know, having, having undergone this, this whole refurbishment and, and it's mm. not yet finished. Um, our, our staff have been absolutely amazing. You know, we've, we've been through eight months of an absolute nightmare, you know, with major construction. They've dug up all the old pools. There's nothing original left. And yes. the staff, they are what make Montague special, is the people. And my staff are no different. And they bend over backwards. They help everybody. And I just want to, my, my goal for 2023 is to get them settled back down into that routine and that rhythm so that we can achieve what we achieved in the previous years. Wonderful. Gavin, that sounds like a wonderful plan for 2023. It's been great chatting to you. We're looking forward to discovering Montague Ashton, and we will see you on Saturday morning. Lovely. Excellent, Janet. Lovely talking to you. And you. Take All care. Bye-bye. Cheers, then. Bye-bye. Well, that was Gavin Hatherley, an interesting man with an interesting story, uh, a 30-year legacy in the tourism industry, and uh, with a goal to actually settle his team and settle his establishment and just get business done, which is a great way to start a new year. Joining us now is PJ Bassan from the Montague Country Hotel. Good afternoon, PJ. How are you doing? Hi, Janet. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm very good. Um, I'm, um, I've got no new complaints and I'm getting used to the old ones, so that's a good spot. Yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic, PJ. So we, we're chatting all things Montague and Ashton and what better way to kick off than to chat about the Montague Country Hotel, the only Art Deco hotel in the country. Is that still true? Yeah, no, most definitely. Um, we are blessed to be to be the only original Art Deco hotel in South Africa. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm very fortunate that we're in the position where we can say that we're the only original Art Deco hotel. It makes us it's different wonderful. from the rest. It's wonderful. So, PJ, before we go into the information about the hotel itself, please tell us a little bit about you. I know that you've worked at the hotel. Sound. PJ, before we go into the discussion about the hotel itself, the Montague Country Hotel is the only Art Deco hotel in the country. What a great accolade to have. And I know that your hospitality journey has included working at this hotel and now making the transition from owner, uh, you know, to from worker to owner. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about your journey, which has brought you to owning this iconic piece of property. Sure. Now I'm going to give away my age, Janet, because it, it does That's take okay. Me. We always subtract 10 from everything that we Okay, here. cool. So no, we've got that sorted. Yeah, so when I left school, um, I really didn't know what to do with my life. So I, but I, what I did know is that I would be able, you know, I would be working with people and that I need to improve my English. I grew up very Afrikaans in Bowfoot mm -hmm. West. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I left um, one week after my last subject, I left to work in the UK. Um, this was way back when. And um, yeah, I came back and straight into hospitality. Um, I started working in Barefoot West at a place called Motopo Inn. And my late partner, um, he was involved with that business. Um, he moved me to Stellenbosch, back to Barefoot. And then in 1999, he said, I needed um, to bring PJ to Montague. He needs to run the restaurant. 
which I did for three months. And then the manager resigned, the general manager, quite a big title. And um, he said, well, um, you're a bit young, but would you like to give it a go? I said, let's do it. What a great opportunity, PJ. Yes. Um, having said that, at that stage, um, tourism in Montague was really not what it is today. Um, I mean, the hotel was rarely full. Um, but it gave me the time to to find my feet. And I've learned a lot from this guy who was called Gert Lewe. Yeah, so he taught me everything that I needed to know um, about hospitality. And he gave me opportunity to, to go and represent at World Fairs. I mean, I've been all over representing the hotel and, and Pontiac and Route 62. Um, and then he passed away end of 2019. Um, and then, of course, COVID struck. And mm. um, at that stage, I was already a shareholder with my wife. And um, his family didn't want to, to continue with the business, which I fully understand. I mean, it was COVID. We had a, a front door that was locked. Um, Absolutely. But what a scary time for all of us, eh? It was a silly time, but, you know, it also presented opportunities. And it forced us to say, listen, uh, where do we want to spend the rest of our lives? Because we know at that age where we have to take these decisions. And we said we love Montague and we love this old building. So we made them an offer and we bought our shares and yeah, took control of the hotel in June 2020. And uh, bang in the middle of that crazy time. Yes, yes. But that, that allowed us to really sit back and, and take stock of, of what we've got and also you know, plotting a plan of, of where we want to take it. Um, so a lot of planning happened in that period. And then we started um, with quite a big construction project that, that August. And we finished by the end of 2020. We were done with a with refurb. Um, yeah, and I must say, looking back now, it was a very daunting task. But now that it's done, sure, what a pleasure. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's so lucky to see those plans coming together and, and paying off. So, yeah, very happy. I'm so excited to be there this weekend and to visit your hotel. I've stayed there many times before. Yes. And I'm excited about the refurbs. I want to meet you and I want to see, you know, what changes have happened because there seems to be this phenomenal energy in the community and people are excited and looking forward. Um, it's, uh, it's a re-energizing, which is so necessary for that town, but also very heartening to see because We've really come out of very difficult times and uh, what a testimony to the town and to the industry that you actually made this investment during difficult and dark times, PJ. So well done to you. No, thank you. I think it, it, it goes a lot further than just the hotel. Um, you know, we, we're very fortunate that, that um, six and a half, seven years of roadworks are done. Um, it's looking better for the farmers with regards to the drought and then obviously you know, the end of, of anything restriction-wise with regards to COVID. It's all just come together at the right time. Uh, when you see the internationals back in, the locals are excited about little gems like Montague. Um, and then it's nice to have a business um, that seems to be working and that's that's taking the opportunities. So, yeah, I think um, it's, it's one of those things where the stars align for once for this industry. How phenomenal, PJ. Anything special you'd like to tell us about changes at the hotel? Sure. Yeah, I can I can actually carry on and you must just stop me. But I think the, the main thing for you have us one, is you have one precious minute to share. With. One precious minute. Well the the big thing is 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 to stick to the roots. So we, we believe in honest hospitality with the Art Deco theme being very central to that. But then obviously you have to adapt with the times and I think that we've done 
with the changes we've made to the hotel and that you'll see for yourself um adding solar um to convenience our guests very whenever wise, they start eating. very wise and forward thinking thank you for that yeah we are fair trade certified products so we we're not going to go for generators um so um yeah that was a big move um but then yeah just you know sticking to the roots Honest hospitality, giving good service, but um, I said to the staff yesterday that, that we would like to maintain a certain level of occupancy, but more important than that is that the product must always be on the right standard. And, and I'm glad to say we've just had the grading council. He checked out this morning, um, the assessor, and he was very satisfied with what he oh, said. Oh, I'm so. so happy for you. Well done. Well done to you and the team, PJ. Yeah, no, thank you. <clears throat> so lots of changes. Lots of new strategies in place, PJ. It sounds pretty exciting. It sounds like 2023 is going to be a bumper year for you and certainly a year of sustainability, of re-establishing and, you know, pushing those roots deeper into the ground in order to establish the Montague Country Hotel as a premier destination, as a premier accommodations um, provider. And we're certainly excited for you and the team there, PJ. And before you say goodbye to us, will you tell us what are your personal aspirations for the new year? Yeah, I, th I think if you if you come through a period like we've done where, you know, there was a lot of pressure on um, financial pressure and planning and, and, you know, all those sort of things, and you're so occupied, um, sometimes it does feel like you, you know, you're just caught up in your own world. So for me, most definitely, um, you know, family comes first and then business and all those things but um involvement in the community has always been very close to to personally for me but also for the business so um i'm definitely gonna push up a notch there and just get a bit more involved with the community and um, some of the projects we've got running here and um yeah the big thing is to keep the smile on the face i think and then from there you can you can do anything as long as long as you're smiling you're fine so i'll be doing a lot of smiling this year I love that. I'm so happy to hear that, PJ. I'm wishing you and the team all the best for the year ahead and uh, lots of sales, lots of happy guests in your establishment and all the best for you and the family health-wise. Appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to meet you this weekend and yeah, hopefully seeing lots of your listeners and followers um, coming over our doorstep to see what that's, we're doing. That's what we want. We want our listeners to come to get excited about your Montague Ashton tourism cradle and come and visit and explore. Thank you so much. All the best, PJ. Take care. Bye-bye. Goodbye. In her previous life, Marshall Fanzel was a school teacher, amongst other things, and she did a bit of freelance journalism. She's worked on passenger cruise ships for many years, where she actually got her first taste for, for tourism. She moved from Cape Town to Montague, and according to her, it was one of the best decisions she's ever made. She runs Flying Feet, and I must say, when I saw the name Flying Feet, I imagined that there were micro, my, there was my, uh, gliding, paragliding, or microflighting, but I had no idea that this was about biking. So, Michelle, this is quite a catchy name and looks pretty exciting. And I see that each of your bikes are hand-painted by local artists, making it quite unique. So I would like you to start by telling us a little bit about you, Marshall, and the journey that brought you to Montague. And then please also tell us about Flying Feet. Thank you very much, Jen. It is so great to be here with you. Now, 
Yes, I've always loved cycling. And as a little girl, that was probably the first time that I felt completely free on my bicycle without parents or adults around me where I could decide where I wanted to go, how fast I wanted to go. I could roam around on my own. And that's also where the name comes from, that, that flying. That's, for to me, the closest to flying that I've ever felt was on my bicycle, that freedom. And, um, yeah, so uh, I was working in a city in Cape Town and uh, in the traffic two hours a day. And I made some friends here in Montiki and I started visiting and uh, if you've been here, the, just the mountains and the um, trails, everything is so uh, inviting and easy life here. It's slower. It's the quality of life that it was really such an easy decision to come here. In fact, I actually I just wanted to go into tourism. I didn't know what to do. I did my guiding course and then... I happened to buy 11 bicycles and I was like, my goodness, what am I going to do with 11 bicycles? <laughs> now, Marshall, I have moments when I seriously shop, but I have never bought 11 bicycles. <laughs> no, tell me. There's been the worst shopping spree of, or the best shopping spree I've ever been on. Now, actually, I was um, visiting friends in Stellenbosch and they work for the university and they had a off-the-cuff conversation with each other, like, oh, have you heard? They're selling the bicycles, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and all of a sudden, my ears perked up because it's all Dutch bicycles that they rented to the students. And as good students do, they use them extremely well. So I thought, oh, okay, this is cool. I'll, I'll just go and have a look. And I thought maybe I'll buy one or two. And then <laughs> it was such a good price. Then I'm like, okay, well, I'll take 11. So I was living in a flat in the city at that point. So I was like, okay, wait, what do I do with it? Where do I park these? <laughs> so all my family and friends had uh, bicycles stored in, in every space they, they had. And then I had them restored. And I actually got some of the local artists together uh, under the leadership of Hannah Nodia, one of the local artists. And we gave them gin and paint. And yeah. The result was quite astonishing. I was very... Did you say gin and paint? Yes. <laughs> no, so it was a sip and, sip and paint kind of thing, but with something a little bit stronger, which is the gin. Uh, yes. Not a bad idea, but I'm curious to know, where did you store these bikes? Um, I asked my brother if I could store some with him. I brought some through to Montiki and had them stored here with friends and... Yeah, so <laughs> it, was a, it was a village effort, let me tell you that. Yes, it sounds like. It sounds phenomenal. So just to cut to what actually happens and how you get to have these hand-painted bikes, please tell us that story. So how, how did I get to the... The, the individually painted oh, bikes. So I actually, so I had these bicycles and... I one night woke up and at that point, the only person I knew in Montiki, or one of the two people I knew in Montiki was Hannah Nodia, this artist. And I woke up in the middle of the night. I'm like, oh, Hannah can paint a bicycle for me. So I <laughs> called her as soon as it was a decent time. And I'm like, Hannah, can you paint a bicycle? She's like, yeah, sure. I'm like, 
do you know other people who can uh, paint bicycles? She's like, let's organize something. And the next thing I knew, she contacted all these people who have never met me. They didn't know who I was or anything about the project. And they were just so kind and generous. And they just all said yes, pitched up. They gave their time and their effort. And that was that was the the. the result of that these beautiful story Michelle really <laughs> it's a phenomenal story now these are single speed backpedal what does all of that mean I'm not a biker myself so if I was coming to Montague and I wanted to rent a bike what would this mean to me nothing fancy you sit upright you pedal you go forward you pedal backwards you stop that's it. <laughs> so in other words, you burn calories. It's not an e-bike and not an easy way out. It's the whole old no. uh, old way of biking. Old style biking. I For the people old who don't style. like that, I actually do have e-bikes and mountain bikes as well. But these are the special ones. They are the most popular. Oh. So it's um, – and then, you know, I also give people uh, some clues of where to go to avoid the, the um, hills – uh, because you don't want to go up a hill on these bicycles, trust me. Mm, of course. It sounds like uh, it will be an uphill struggle. From <laughs> single pedal and all of that. Um, Marshall, it's been so fascinating chatting to you. I, I have two questions for you. The first question is, what is the number of bikes you have in fleet now? And did you do a second shopping spree or do you have the original 11 bikes <laughs> so i have the original 11 bicycles and then i was really fortunate to um, actually get a grant from the government during the COVID time and they have helped me to actually expand the fleet so now i have um probably about 15 more and that includes e-bikes and mountain bikes and children bicycles so i'm really really blessed and very fortunate to have been able to expand the fleet that is just wonderful and a fascinating story it's been so enlightening chatting to you marshall any personal goals for 2023 that you'd like to share with us besides buying more bikes <laughs> <laughs> well, I would really like to cycle a bit more in this area, cycle from Ladysmith down Oberpass and um, then also a couple of other uh, routes here in the area because uh, there's so many beautiful gravel roads in, in, in and around Montiki and also go and climb a few mountains, I think, yeah. I think that's my goals for, for 2020. Sounds wonderful. Sounds everything that is related to freedom and flying feet. Um, most wonderful to chat to you today, Marshall. I'm looking forward to checking out flying feet when I'm there this weekend. And this very interesting woman who buys bikes on a shopping spree. <laughs> Thank you, Janet. And have a great pleasure. Have a good afternoon. Are you biking this afternoon? No, I did this morning, so it's ah, now. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Hello, Renata, and thank you for being so patient. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me today. It's a big pleasure. So, Renata, Platform 62 was founded by your father, Leon, and it really was his dream to establish a place where people could come and experience local products and hospitality. And he knew that Ashton had great potential to grow, 
and uh, you know the platform strives to cater to everybody so it's a it's a point of sale is it the platform so the idea came to be um quite a bit uh, before we actually started the business so the business was technically founded in 2010 but um it the idea came to long before that it was always a dream of his to start a business of his own and to do something tourism related so i think it's it, it's kind of a lifelong dream that's very special. And I think a lot of economies are going the route of locally sourced products, the cooperative, you know, lots of different product lines coming together in one space. Um, I'm sure that your dad was ahead of his thinking, ahead of his time when he came up with this concept in 2010. Yeah, I think he, it was uh, something that he truly believed in, is that as a community, you build and grow and share things and you support people who are close to you. You don't try and just get everything in from everywhere else. You try and support local as much as possible because honestly, at the end of the day, it's the locals that are here to support you. Absolutely agree, Renata. So what kind of products can we expect to see at Platform 62? Okay, so our main thing is the wine boutique. So we have a massive variety of wines, spirits, liqueurs. Um, they do absolutely amazing uh, brandy, gin, and wine tastings. And it's, so it's, it's quite a lot of the, the local sellers that are based here. Um, then we have home decor gift shop, which uh, contains an art gallery from the local artists. We have beautiful pottery, a lovely little nursery area with succulents and houseplants, um, lovely other, all sorts of other gifts, secondhand books, uh, soaps, scents, all sorts of beautiful things there. And then the farm stall area is absolutely gorgeous as well. We've got a beautiful sauces, jams, dried fruits, snacks, all sorts of fantastic things. Wonderful, Renata. Our connectivity is very bad. You come and you go. So I'm going to end here. Um, Renata, before you, before you leave us, please tell us what are your personal goals for 2023? Personal goals for 2023, I think, is just to grow as a person and learn more about the local community and local products that we have and honestly experience as much of it as we can. I've grown up here my whole life and I think there's so much of it that I still haven't seen and still haven't experienced. Wonderful. Renata, thank you for joining us. It's been great chatting to you and I look forward to my visit at Platform 62 when I'm there this weekend. Awesome. Thank you, Janet. It's a big pleasure, Renata. Bye. Bye. Hi there, Dal. Thank you for joining us. Hi, good afternoon. Oh, that's nice and loud and clear. Thank you so much, Adal. Adal Fouri is um, the owner of Kupenda Africa. She has, she's a gallerist, galleriest. And um, I think that she's quite humble in her title because she has um, quite an interesting study history and it's quite diverse because she's got um a, she's a graduate from of international relations in many many spheres and she's worked in toronto and she served as a consul at the south african consulate but also served in missions to 
Addis Ababa and, um, you know, offered a, the African Union Commission peace operation support. So that's quite an interesting history, um, Adele. How do you go from all of that to Montague? Did you want to get away from the craziness that is Africa? Um, very much the opposite, Janet. Um, I wanted to bring a little bit of Africa to Montague. Um, as you said, I've, I've had quite an extensive um, visit and experience of living in, in several African countries. And I, I think that I enjoyed the time there and I enjoyed learning about the different cultures and the different people. And I thought that it could only enrich um, any other, other place to, to have a little bit of that um, in their town. So that, that was the thinking behind bringing Kupenda Africa to Montague. I love that story. I was just teasing you when I said you brought <laughs> Africa. But yes, I see that you've brought Africa to uh, Montague because I see that you have art from Namibia, Zimbabwe, and that you've got a range um, of soft furnishings, blankets and throws called Kupenda Africa. I'm so looking forward to seeing that. And, yes. um, you know, also items from Zambia, Lusaka. So it's quite interesting. I want you to tell me about two things. The first thing is, how did being um, a graduate of international studies bring, bring you to being a curator of beautiful African objects? As I said, um, as I said, I have served as a South African diplomat um, with the South African Permanent Mission in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, um, and I think that experience has really opened has really opened me up to to experience a lot of different countries within the continent, um, and to really appreciate the cultures and the art and just the people and their openness to me um, and to, to other African countries. And I think that we can learn from that and we can also embrace that um, through our Ubuntu that we show to, to other people. Absolutely. You know, Africa, Africa really is a massive village in, in my understanding. And there seems, that, you know, there's always that connectivity, that connectedness when you meet somebody, whether they're from Botswana or Lusaka in Zambia, or anywhere in the continent. There's just this sense of we're one big family. And I don't know in your travels if you saw that also, this passion for each other as fellow Africans. Did you get I that? Have, yes, I have indeed. Um, I, I think that the, the purpose behind the African Union is really to foster that kind of African identity and um, a sense that we are one, like you said. And our former president, Thabo Mbeki, was very instrumental in creating a greater sense of Pan-Africanism amongst African countries. And I was very, very proud and, and still am that I have had the opportunity to serve at the African Union. Phenomenal part of your life story. Yes, indeed. Um, but... Over and above Ethiopia, I've just recently moved to Montague from Zimbabwe. So I've also spent two years in Zimbabwe and I actually grew up in, in Tanzania. So all through high school, I was, I was living in Tanzania. And um, so I really had a very, very diverse interaction with the continent. 
Wonderful. Adele, it's quite fascinating to chat to you. <clears throat> and uh, I believe that you have a new exhibit opening. Yes, so Kupoidna Africa has just opened um, in December. We opened on the 19th of December and we are having the official opening over the weekend on Saturday the 21st and we are very excited for the public uh, to come and to show support and even just to, to visit the exhibition and to have a, an experience of a little bit of Africa in Montague. And I believe you will also be joining us for the opening and we look forward to meeting you and seeing you there. Yes, I have a great interest in African art. I'm a museum management specialist by training. So African art is one of my, was one of my areas of study. And then I traveled to the Smithsonian as a fellow. Oh, that's wonderful. Of modern African art. So no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, I, I, I did start to feel a little bit of pressure there, but it seems you are more experienced. No, not at all. I am so excited to come and see an exhibition of this kind because you've literally gone and traveled and collected items of interest and brought it all to Montague for us to enjoy. And for that, I thank you greatly, Adele. Thank you very much, Shannon. Adele, before we say goodbye to you, any new additions to the gallery? Anything exciting coming up in the rest of 2023? Yes, for 2023, we'll be, um, we have planned two solo exhibitions by two of the artists from Zimbabwe. Um, and we will be sharing that information uh, throughout the year. And if possible, we're also looking forward to collaborating with some local artists and, and just, you know, seeing where, as a gallery, we can also create a space for local artists to showcase some of their work. That's wonderful. And any travel plans in Africa for you, Adele? Um, I am always interested in traveling, especially to this beautiful continent of ours. Um, so I definitely do foresee some traveling um, within this year to look for more artists to collaborate with and also just very interesting pieces that I could bring back to the gallery. Wonderful. I'm looking forward to the exhibit. I promise to take lots of pictures and um, have some robust conversation with you because I've got lots of travel in Africa planned for 2023. Wonderful. I'll be very happy to share any of my experiences with you and also to hear your views on the, the pieces. Um, I have one of my artists from Zimbabwe that will be joining us for the opening, Pravi Maziva. Um, and I'm sure he's also very, very keen to engage with you and to speak about some of his artwork. Wonderful. I am so looking forward. I wish you all the best and see you tomorrow. Is it tomorrow or Saturday that we meet? It's Saturday. Wonderful. Looking forward to it. She has a great love for wine. It's a pleasure. Take care. And decided to make a career change and studied some courses in, within the wine industry um, and then was appointed as the tasting room manager at Ashton Winery. Michelle, it's a great pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you for joining us. Please tell us about this journey from public relations to wine. Thank you for having me, Janet. Um, yeah, I think 14 years ago, I actually worked in the publishing industry while I was living in Cape Town and I don't know, somehow the, the, the bug bit me, the wine bug, and I um, moved here 14 years ago. And like they say, the rest is history. Um, I think also what I came to find, especially on my travels to this side, is that um, there's a part of our community that are not 
as wine privy as 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 I would like us to be, and it's most of your locals within the Ashton Robertson uh, Montague community, people that actually work on the farms, the laborers, the people that are part of the production of wine and how they are actually not really educated as much as um, I personally would have liked them to be. So I think with that also my mission became to to start introducing wine to the communities that are not, yeah, so, so I moved aside and the rest is history, trying to introduce everybody about wine and teach them about wine. Fantastic. So um, you have uh, the responsibility as the tasting room manager. Do you have a team that works with you, Michelle? Yes, um, we are a very small team, um, basically, but we on the bottle wine side, we consist of various elements. So we've got a brand manager, marketing manager, people that help out in the tasting room itself. Um, yes, so our job is basically to welcome people to the Ashton, the town of Ashton, and as well to the winery or the wine side of what we can produce for them within Ashton itself. So we offer a few experiences to them and a few tastings here. Wonderful. Now, Michelle, before we close, I want you to tell us about the Lift the Eye campaign. I believe that there is a commemorative bridge that was built within Ashton, and the bridge is sort of uh, iconic because it talks about bridging the gap between communities in the Ashton area. And you're quite involved with Lift the Eye, which is uh, a CSI project. Is it a personal CSI? Is it a Ashton Winery CSI? It is an Ashton Winery um, CSI. So with the bridge that was finalized in the beginning of last year, we looked into a way of trying to tap into the marketing side of, of what the bridge is because it is the only one in Africa that has been moved with electronic jets. So that already is an historic feature. And then how we can actually make a change within our community. So as a bridge connects communities, we have decided to use this method of connecting with ours. So with Lift the Eye, this is a cake blend that was made by our winemakers. It's a beautiful wine, first of all. And then with every bottle that we sell, Fire Rand goes into our Lift the Eye Foundation. Currently, there are three organizations that benefit from it, which are namely Rescue Among Many, Many Charity. They provide food as well as clothes and other basic needs to the communities of Montague, Ashton and Robertson. Then it's both Dancecape SA Zulani as well as the Zulani Youth Choir. These two organizations empower the youth within the Zulani area. They help them to keep them off the streets after school and they teach them um, cultural um, capabilities like uh, singing and dancing. And some of them have really reached great success with it. So our dream is to first invest into these three organizations and then later on to spread out the love to not only this area, but to other areas as well. Michelle, that's quite a fascinating piece of work that you and your team are doing. And I think that it is so necessary to bridge these gaps between communities and development. And I think that it also helps to educate the youth and take them off the streets when they have positive things to engage in. And I think that, you know, as laborers on the farm, people just see the end product. But the fact that you're taking time and trouble to educate people on the art of wine, the whole grape to glass process is really commendable because you're creating future wine drinkers. 
Um, and, you know, there's such a lovely legacy that goes with that, um, being able to change that rhetoric of farm workers um, from just being farm workers and the old DOP system, but to be able to transition them to appreciators and um, drinkers of fine wine in a very different context. So I think that's a huge paradigm shift for, for the community. Yes, it is. And we are very, um, like I said, I'm very excited about it because it takes, it takes small baby steps. But in the end, if we can educate people about wine, you can stop a lot of um, things like domestic violence and alcohol abuse. Um, if people start understanding what wine is and the art of what it is and how to drink it and enjoy it responsibly, you can make a change, especially then for the youth that is growing up now, for them to start thinking of wine in a different manner than to, to what it has been thought of in the years past and, and bringing a change with regards to that. Yeah, so we're very excited about making these changes. Michelle, it sounds wonderful and it's been most interesting chatting to you. I think that uh, you've already got your work cut out for 2023, so I'm not going to ask you what your goals are. It sounds like you've got your hands full and that you're doing phenomenal work in this area. So thank you so much for joining us and what a what an apt way to end our show. But to be able to say this is the give back to community. Are you looking for a highly professional established vehicle rental service? Look no further. MLT Car Hire and Tours delivers on service excellence and competitive prices. Log on to mltcarhireandtours.co.za for their full range of benefits or MLT Car Hire and Tours on Facebook.